Niall Leahy, you're an Irish Jesuit and you have just been ordained this Saturday in Gardiner Street Church. Tell me about that ordination, what it meant to you. The ordination happened after 11 years of Jesuit formation, so it was a long time coming. And then, you know, when it came, it was in the most unexpected of circumstances. I never would have envisaged that we would have been limited to 50 people in in the church and that everybody would be wearing a mask and sanitizing and keeping social distance. So there was something of the bizarre about it. And I think Bishop Alan McGookian captured that rather well when he was just beginning the mass. He looked at people and said, you're a sight um, <laughs> because it, just, it looks like you know a lot of paramedics sitting <laughs> sitting in the pews. Or, yeah, strange circumstances on the day, and you know at the same time, you know we the the plan had chopped and changed a lot. I think we were on plan G or H at this point. It was initially planned to be in Clongos um, in the sports hall, where it would have been much more spacious. Uh, we um, possibly could have had more people in the sports hall. Uh, but then the Kildare lockdown, local lockdown, um, stymied that. Uh, so uh, Gardner Street were just very gracious and accommodating and, and taking us um, at short notice. So I was, just, I was just grateful that it was happening. And I'm grateful that people showed up because, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of, of fear and worry out there. And people coming from a distance, you know, I'm from Dundalk, so there was people coming from Louth who would see maybe Dublin as a bit of a, a COVID hotspot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, numbers, you know, had, had been a bit more elevated um, the last uh, couple of weeks. That's right. So I was just grateful that they plucked up their courage and came and made whatever arrangements they had to make and got lifts or, or whatever. And they just showed up and just the very fact that they were there meant a great deal to me. Um, that the, the people showed great courage in coming and I think they were rewarded a lot of, you know, they all said afterwards they were so glad they came and that it meant a lot to them to be at it. So there was a lot going on in the background, to put it that way, <laughs> yeah. to, to actually, you know, on all sides to just uh, for the day to happen at all. And given that, Niall, and there certainly was a lot to contend with, were you able to be present on the day and did it mean what you hoped it might mean for you? Yeah. So I arrived about an hour and a half before we were due to start at two o'clock. So I probably arrived about half 12 and, you know, said hello to Terry, who was the MC, and Father Terry and Father Jerry and, and Richard from the parish. And after that, then I just took some quiet time just to sort of walk around the church. Gardner Street is a, is a beautiful, beautiful church and took some time to walk around looking at the statues. I went in to see John Sullivan, blessed John Sullivan's remains and his coffin there, and spent some quiet time there. I suppose that was a special moment, Pat, um, just looking at some of the words he had spoken, uh, be beginning, always be beginning. That certainly resonated with me that you know this was a beginning. This was a new beginning for me, and just very much felt John there with me as I started in my life as a priest, you know, he was sort of priest par excellence and, uh, you know, saintly man. And so just to have John with me at that moment was beautiful and certainly brought a tear to my eye. And then I suppose another very reassuring moment was when I just heard the choir practicing. We had um, four 
boys from Clongos, from the Scola, uh, Clongoswood College, very generously came. And with Cyril Murphy uh, directing them and a uh, beautiful singer, Lynn Hillary as well, who's, who's a friend, just an amazing uh, singer, soloist. So just hearing them practicing, like it was songs and hymns that were familiar. So there was just hearing those familiar songs and sounds just sung so beautifully just made me feel like I was on home ground. And yeah, just, just really put me at ease, I'd say. And I had a sense then that this was going to be a beautiful occasion, that the music brings so much beauty to the liturgy. And Cyril always arranges things so tastefully. He just has a great sense of occasion and that the music was going to convey a lot of that for me. And so that was very reassuring as well at the beginning. And of course, a great feat for, for them to do because they had to do it in a socially distanced way. And that's not easy either. Yeah. So it was a yeah. blessing yeah, to exactly. have it. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we had great advice from Damien McNeese, who's the Archbishop of Dublin's MC, and just on how it's been working in different churches in Dublin and the logistics of it all. So wouldn't have been able to do it without him. And Niall, the sermon itself, anything that struck you by what was said from either Bishop Allen, apart from um, using a site, <laughs> which would be very much a good northern observation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from Alan's homily, you know, I'd spoke to Alan earlier in the week and, you know, he sort of emphasised a few of those points in our conversation and added some more. One that uh, stuck with me was him emphasising the ministry of interiority. There's obviously a strong ritual dimension to the priesthood and you're leading liturgical celebration and animating it and and Alan was just saying you know there's there's also the dimension of interiority helping people it's not just about public common worship but it's also about helping people to go inside in a very personal way and this is a hallmark of Ignatius's approach where the creator is is dealing directly with his creature so that certainly uh, resonated with me helping people to go inside and to to become familiar with that inner world. What happens when you close your eyes? I was very grateful for him pointing that out. It was also the feast day of the Queenship of Our Lady. The readings of the day just really resonated with the occasion as well. It was, we just used the readings for the feast day. We didn't, didn't have any special readings for the ordination, but they really captured the spirit of the ordination, I thought, where the, the gospel was the Annunciation, so the Holy Spirit coming down on Mary. And yeah, look, that's that's what was happening to me as well. Mm-hmm. And and Alan just emphasised being a priest today is you know, a challenging job. And just said, look, nothing's impossible with God. Uh, nothing is impossible with God. So that was certainly another very encouraging message to receive on the occasion of my ordination. Mm. And um, to have the support then also of your fellow Jesuits and to feel a part of a community. I know the numbers were limited, but I'm sure there were a number of them there. I think we had up and around maybe about 30 Jesuits there. I wanted to make it an occasion for the province uh, because, look, ordinations are few and far between these days. And also in the Jesuits, we thank God we have some great guys coming through formation. Yep. But uh, we don't, you know, we don't have ordinations every year. So I really, really did invite as many Jesuits as I could. Yeah, I got some lovely messages afterwards. You know, it reminded them of their own ordinations and getting back in touch with that initial sense of zeal and love of the priesthood, that first blush after ordination. So I think the occasion did mean a lot to them as well. And we couldn't do the laying of hands. Normally, 
you know, every priest present would come up and lay hands on the newly ordained man. It's a powerful witness, I think, of the sort of sense of brotherhood within the priesthood. Couldn't do that, but they were there. So you mentioned earlier about it's a long journey within the Jesuits toward ordination for those who go on to be priests and not brothers. What's your reflection on that now? Was that formation important for you? Because it is a long time. Are you glad for that time? Did it do what it should have done for you, do you think? Um, In terms of the length, I remember at the outset, I didn't consider the Jesuits for a while because just in my ignorance, I thought it was 15 years and I thought, I'm not, like I was 27 at the time, I'm not spending 15 years. <laughs> uh, but that was in the old days when a lot of guys would have entered after school yeah. without a university education. So I, I was going in with the idea, with 10 years maybe in my head, and I thought, well, that's that's not 15, so mm. that's, that's pretty good. Mm. And also I had spent, let's see, five years in university, three years in a training contract. I'd spent eight years to qualify as a chartered accountant. So I thought, right, I did eight years for something which I guess, you know, wasn't the love of my life. Being an accountant, I don't think it was my calling, but it was eight good years. But uh, if I did eight for that, well, why not do 10 for something which really is at the centre of my life? This calling, I do believe, is is very much central to, to who I am and who I am in the Lord. In that regard, it seemed reasonable in terms of this is for the rest of my life. But another way... Once I took vows, there there is a sense that like it's already begun, that it's not just you're preparing for a future life. You prepare for that life by living that life. You're living poverty, chastity, obedience, which the three vows at, at the heart of religious life. Uh, you're living in community. There's a richness in that, and there's a lot of learning in that. Okay, we're studying, doing that philosophy and theology. Again, it's not just preparatory. In my priestly ministry as Jesuit, I will continue to read and I will continue to reflect Mm. and that will always be part of my life. So it's not just you study and then you forget about your books. (laughs) No, you'll continue, you know, to read and just had a sense that you are experiencing Jesuit life in a way or parts of it. Yeah, from the minute you join, because you say it's early on that you take vows and you're always called a Jesuit, even though you mightn't be a priest. Yeah, yeah, because we're a religious order. You've entered the religious order, you are a member. And then we also have a lot of apostolic work. I mean, I spent two years in schools between philosophy and theology. So again, like you're, you're ministering, you're working. That's not purely preparatory. There's work to be done, do it. There's two years there in the middle where, where you are an active member of the order. Okay, you're not a priest, but you're doing, you know, you're teaching, um, you're guiding retreats. There's a lot of pastoral work involved. It's not all preparatory. You know, you're you're in, you're doing it, you know, in for, at least for some of the time, anyway. And so you really taste it. And obviously, like, I loved it. I loved teaching. I loved being in the schools. It was a great time. So now, Niall, where are you heading for the future? Do you know? Are you able to say yet? Now, that's a question for Leonard Maloney, Pat. It's not a question. <laughs> and he wasn't giving anything away at the, at the ordination. He tells you, let me know. <laughs> Leonard, the provincial... Um, I've just finished a master's in theology and ecology in London, and I'm going on to Paris now to a the Jesuit college in Paris, uh, Centre Sèvres, and where I'll be just complete the requirements for an STL, a licentiate in theology. So Sèvres are, are great. They're sort of recognising, giving me credit for my master's work so far, and 
I will add to that this year and then they'll award me a, a licentiate in theology. So and that I think that would be the end of my theology studies. Will you focus on the ecology issue there as well? I don't think so. I think I've, I've really focused on that this year and I feel like I have a good grounding in it now. Laudato Sea being a focal point of the studies there. And Laudato Sea branches out into so many other areas and sciences and natural sciences, social sciences. So I think I got a good grounding in Laudato Sea uh, theology. And now my focus will be more on Jesuit spirituality. Going back to the source, Jesuit sources, that initial story of Ignatius and the Companions and the early story of the society, I just have a feeling that in a certain way we're beginning again in Ireland in terms of church and the society. We're much smaller now and as we begin, I suppose, a new chapter, I feel the need to be really rooted in the beginning of the story and how it all began and we can start with that vision and have that close to my heart and understand this because there's a lot of context in Ireland has changed a lot and the Jesuit story has and the Ignatian approach to religious life is constantly sort of reinventing itself according to new circumstances and you know the circumstances today but they're even different to the circumstances five years ago, to be honest. Never mind 50 years ago when there were hundreds of Jesuits in Ireland, even with COVID. Now, like the shape and the look of ministry is, is changing. And so what we have to do is to be inspired by that initial vision of Ignatius going, you know, going back to the sources, resourcing all as Vatican II called for. Well, then, if we're meant to be inspired by that in a new context, well, then I really want to and feel the need to have a sort of an in-depth knowledge of that story and of that vision so I can be part of a new expression of it in Ireland in the 21st century. That's what's sort of in my heart and mind at the moment by going to Paris and Paris is an excellent I was just about to say it's an excellent place to go because the houses there where the early Jesuits were very moving actual place to go to. Exactly. So far I would say my sense of Ignatius's story I think over here we tend to focus a little bit more on you know his life in Loyola and Manresa, um, which you know where the sort of spiritual exercises were formed really in Ignatius's mind and heart, and then Rome would be another you yeah. know his trip to Jerusalem, you know ending up in Rome yep. and the Society of Jesus becoming established under under the Roman Pontiff, and I would say I personally know less about Paris where. The companions met for the first time. Uh, in my own mind and imagination, I tend to skip a little bit from Spain to Rome, forgetting that Paris was where the actual Jesuit story began. The Ignatian story began in Spain, yeah. for sure. But the Jesuit story actually, I think, began in Paris, where those initial companions met at, at the University of Paris and Ignatius found his first companions. So not just going back, I suppose, to the beginning of the story, in the texts, but also going to the place where it began, where they took their first vows, and that'll be important. And as you go there, Niall, you will be going as a priest for the first time. What does that mean to you? It'll be quite special to to celebrate Mass, you know, on some of the, the Jesuit sites there. You know, Montmartre is important to us. And, you know, there's some beautiful Jesuit churches there. Saint Sulpice, I think, is one. 
So it'll be special in that regard. It'll also be a just from experience of I've celebrated mass in our local parish here in Black Rock uh, three times now, and it takes some getting used to. I'll say that you know <laughs> I've made it through every time, but uh, it does require. Uh, getting used to uh, adding doing that now in French I think would be even even another adding another element of uh, strangeness to it so yeah just give me a year I'll, I'll get the hang of it yeah France will be the place I guess where I just I really sort of try and let this grace of priesthood to, to settle and uh, for it to become normal my new normal <laughs> we use that phrase a lot now and one of the things I'll be taking to Paris is uh, what Leonard said, Leonard Maloney, my provincial, said at the ordination that who I am today is not just a result of Jesuit formation and my years of formation in the society. It's also a result of my upbringing in my family and the role of my parents, Sean and Patricia and my, my sister Maura in shaping me as a person and as a man. So I'm certainly bringing a lot of gratitude with me, remembering them very much these days. Niall, we wish you all the very best. Warmest congratulations on your ordination and know that you will give many years of service in the years ahead. Thanks so much. Appreciate that.